I'm going to uh, be reading to us today from uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And of course, this message is for all of us, as it was intended for original churches in Asia Minor 2,000 years ago, but especially it's for you compromise today. This is what God says to us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Are you sensing a theme here this morning? We are God's children. And what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called that. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins, and in Him is is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them, they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. A number of years ago, Long before all the big worries about AI and and modern day artificial intelligence and computers and robots, some artists got together, artists who were also techies, and they built a beautiful art display made up of a robot arm. And I've got a picture of the robot arm to show you. This was built a number of years ago, and what the artist wanted to accomplish was to get us to think about the meaning of life, and to think about who we really are. And so they built this robot with some transmission-type fluid in it to keep it moving, to keep all the parts moving, and they intentionally made it to look like blood, as you can see there. They designed this robot arm so that when it was first built, it would do little dances around the enclosure and entertain all the peoples that were, people that were looking at it. And people were thrilled by this robot. But they also intentionally designed it so that little by little, it would leak out this fluid. See the little sweeper there? They equipped it so that as the fluid leaked out, it could be swept back up and put back into the machine and restored. And they did one other thing in their design. 
They intentionally designed it so that it had gaskets that would wear and tear with all the movement. And eventually, more and more of the fluid over a period of years would begin to leak out onto the floor. And what happened over time, of course, you can probably guess. At first, the robot did lots of its little dances because it could sweep back up all the leak transmission fluid in only a few minutes a day. But gradually, as the gaskets wore out and more and more of the fluid began to leak out, more and more of the day was spent just sweeping the fluid back up, restoring it into the system. And as the robot arm aged, well, you can see what happened. In 2019, the robot arm was no longer able to keep up with the leakage and it stopped functioning. The artist's intention, they tell us, was to get us thinking about our life and the purpose of our life, the meaning of our life, who we really are and what we're really about. And there's a quote, and this was actually uh, written by someone who had seen the art exhibit in its last days and was quite concerned about it. The hydraulic fluid relates to how we kill ourselves both mentally and physically for money, just in an attempt to sustain life. How the system is set up for us to fail on purpose, to essentially enslave us and to steal the best years of our lives to play the game that the richest people of the world have designed, how this robs us of our happiness, passion, and our inner peace, how we are slowly drowning with more responsibilities, with more expected of us, less rewarding payoffs, and less free time to enjoy ourselves with as the years go by, how there's really no escaping the system and that we were destined at birth to follow a pretty specific path that was already laid out before us. How we can give and give and give and how easily we can be forgotten after we've gone. Whew, there's an uplifting message for Confirmation Sunday. But confirmands, I've been in the ministry a long time. And what I want you to do as you picture that robot arm is I want, to picture, I want you to picture the potential of the future you as you go into life. Today, spiritually, you are becoming a grown-up. Now, your parents may want to talk to you and dialogue with you, debate you a little bit about whether you're really a grown-up yet, but in the eyes of your fellow family members here, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you now own the development of your faith. You are grown-up in Christ with this knowledge. That being said, this is not just a finish line, as you'll hear. It's really a starting line. And, and what I want you to know as you look at that robot arm is all of you, every one of you is going to be tempted to act like that robot arm, just to keep trying to sweep up resources to maintain life 
And your life will slowly but gradually turn into a chase about just maintaining itself with no real sense of purpose, with no real sense of self, at least not the self that God made you to be. And that's why I wanted to bring this up, because God has so much more in store for you. You know, Solomon, many, many hundreds of years ago, wrote about the meaning of that quote that we just read when he said, you know, I've studied life. I've tried everything. I've, I've built great projects. I've, I've accumulated great wealth. I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the things I've tried and accomplished, and you know what my conclusion is? Life is meaningless under the sun. Under the sun is an important phrase, because if we just chase the things under the sun, what we're going to do is come to the end of our life and go, what did I really accomplish? It feels like a big fat zero. Confirmands, and maybe those of you who might be listening in, even though I didn't give you permission to. No, I do. I give you permission to listen in. This is how life can be, and we need to do something to prevent it from becoming that for ourselves. And you know how you do that? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Through staying close to Him through remaining and abiding in his word, which Jesus calls the one thing that is needful, his word. As long as we stay close to that beautiful gospel message that Jesus died and rose again to redeem us and to give us these gospel treasures we've been talking about today, identity, destiny, purpose, possibilities, and a community, a family. Those things are ours, and they will fulfill us, as we talked about. And those are the things that I want to urge you, confirmands, to pursue with all your might, with all your strength, because Jesus is standing before each of you, lovingly, passionately offering them to you, and wants you to have them, because he loves you that much. And to all the rest of you, it's not one bit different. Jesus is standing before you. And he offers you the beautiful blessings of, a, of his forgiveness, the ability to change your lives and live a new life. The entrance ticket to eternal life, which one of our students is going to talk about. Listen again to what it says here. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God? Who are you really? Well, John tells you who you are really. You can write this down if you want to fill in that first fill-in. Who am I? My true identity? That's what John is talking about here. And that is what we are, children of God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The one way to get delinked from your true identity, John warns us, is to become worldly. To make it all about just 
sweeping things back up and trying to capture them so that you can maintain your life. That's what worldliness is. It's making your entire focus about maintaining this life with no focus on what's going to happen after this life is done. Dear friends, now we are children of God. We're different. And what we will be has not yet been made known. Now he gets into our eternal destiny. God, God is telling us here through the words of John, you, don't, you can't even imagine how great of a life God has planned for you in eternity. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purifies themselves purify themselves just as he is pure. Some of you may saying, me? I, I, I don't see myself having a relationship with God. If God even is real, if he's really there, he wouldn't want the likes of me. I'm too impure. I'm too unworthy. The church always talks about sinners well, they should have a picture of me next to that word. Some of you think that way, and you're like, it's hard to be in church because it's hard to be close to God because I know who I am deep down. And John says to you, if you're feeling that way today, he says, cancel all that. Forget all that. You are forgiven. You are made pure in the blood of Christ. You too, through faith in Jesus, can become a child of God. You too, by faith in Jesus, can experience all his blessings, the forgiveness, the new life, the eternal salvation, the peace. How many of us are struggling with just having a sense of peace in our hearts? A feeling like we're settled that someone's got our back. God gives us all of that. Here's what I want you to write down. My true identity is that I am a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope that you will never forget that when you believe and trust in Jesus, this becomes your new identity. It's not your job. It's not whether you're a mom or dad, a grandma or a grandpa. It's none of the roles that you play in life. It is this gift, this capital G gift of being able to say, when I trust in Jesus as my Savior, He makes me know exactly who I am, God's child. But then John goes on and he asks the natural follow-up question. If I'm a child of God, well then, how will I live? And that's what I want you to write in your next fill-in. How will I live? What's my true north star? You know, if we're going to live, if we're going to navigate life, we have to have a true north star. You're, I think, most of you, if not all of you, familiar with how the ancients navigated. Can you imagine? They had no GPSs. They really didn't even have maps to speak of. Uh, put that one picture up. This is a, a picture from an art museum. But there you can see it. 
They navigated by the stars. They had to know the stars well. They especially had to know where the North Star was. That's how they got to where they were going. And without it, well, I don't know if we would have the United States of America today or any of the other places that we have. We have to know where we're coming from and where we're going. There's a quote by John Maxwell, till I understand where I am, I can't get to where I am going. This is the value of a compass when we are out walking or hiking and need to know we're going in the right direction. But we also have an internal North Star. It's that little nudge that tells us if we are on the right path to fulfilling our potential or on the wrong path, wasting energy, traveling somewhere we don't need to go. So my advice to you is, pull out that compass every once in a while and make sure you're navigating in the right direction on your journey. Do you know what your North Star is? Your compass? Because ironically... John uses your identity as your North Star. John tells us when we know who we are, it's that important. That if I know I'm a dearly loved child of God, then it's not too far of a leap to ask myself, how does the child of God live? To go back into the Bible again to hear the Father's guidance for how He wants His children to live. That's one of the reasons why Jesus calls it the one thing needful. Yes, for the gospel, so that we know how we're saved. That's first, always, and most important. But also, because God's Word, knowing that we're God's children, that's our North Star in life. It guides us from where we are to where we want to go. Listen to how John puts that. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Some of us feel bogged down by all the temptations and the pains and the hurts and the things that the devil whispers in our ear. John reminds us, don't let that stuff tangle you up bog you down, stop you from going where you want to go. The reason Jesus came was to smash all that, to destroy all that, and he has. No one who is born of God, no one who is a child of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, it may sound like John here is saying, if you're a child of God, you stop sinning, you never sin anymore. That's not what he's saying. Notice that he uses phrase like, continue to sin, go on sinning. That's important here. Because what he's really saying is, a child of God, as part of this north star in him, knows that if he sins, (laughs) that's not something he can keep on doing over and over and over again. It's not something a child of God in their new man wants to keep on doing anymore. Yes, we're weak. We're human. We're still sinful, even though we're children of God. And yes, we will sin. But as children of God, we also know that we're in a battle. And that when we sin, 
intentionally or unintentionally, we're going to want to dig ourselves as quickly as possible right out of that hole again with God's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, with Jesus reaching down into there and dragging us back out again because we have been, as John says, born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. That's the difference, he says. Children of God battle their sins. They don't just keep on sinning without any thought or remorse or guilt or shame. They battle it. The children of the devil, the battle is over for them. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And another big element of this, John says, we've been given this beautiful community, this beautiful family to surround us. And part of being a child of God is to recognize that there are other children of God all around us. And through the help of the Holy Spirit to love one another. That's powerful. In fact, compromise. Here's what I'm going to tell you. There's one practical habit I can give you to maintain your faith strong after this day. Are you, are you ready for it? And parents, I hope you're hearing this and will support this. This community of believers is vital to you. You need to know that you're loved by God, but also by your brothers and sisters in Christ. We have one of the best, most dynamic youth groups in this part of Illinois, right here at Amazing Love. God has blessed us with our youth group. So, compromise. my biggest tip for you as to how you can keep growing and going in your faith is as soon as you're done here, get yourself in that youth group and become part of it. Surround yourself with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes, even as church members, we can go missing for a while, and maybe no one even notices we've gone missing from church on Sunday. But let me tell you something. Those of you who are in a group, you know. You miss group one week or maybe two. People are like calling you, texting you. Where, where'd you go? What's going on with your life? Do we need to be praying for you? Because they miss you from that group. Compromise, that's what you want for yourself. People to keep you corralled in a good way with their love and their concern and their care. Could you put that picture of the robot arm back up? I think there's another way to look at this picture. We can look at it the way Solomon looked at it and said, say life under the sun is meaningless. All we do is work our whole life and then we bleed out. But there's a much more hopeful way to look at that picture, a beautiful way to look at that picture. Do you know what the robot arm really represents to me? The reason I'm a child of God. The robot arm represents Jesus Christ to me, who came into this world to live a life, a perfect life, to dance the dance of human life in my place perfectly, 
and then grant me his holiness to bleed out on the cross to forgive my sins so that I could be called a child of God so that you truthfully can be called a child of God. When you see that robot arm, I hope you see Jesus dying on the cross for you. Remember, unlike the robot arm, after Jesus died, he rose again. I don't think the robot arm has risen again. But Jesus did to give us life, compromise, to give you life here and in eternity. Your second and last fill-in down below is, I will live with my identity in Christ as the true north star of my choices and decisions. I'll remind myself daily of my true identity. I'm a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, I pray for the confirmands this morning. I pray that you will watch over and keep them and bless them. I pray that you will draw their hearts into our youth group where they will be surrounded by other young believers. We need each other, Lord. I pray for our congregation that more and more of them will consider our group life so that more and more of us can be supported in that same way in our walk of faith. Lord, I pray for our church who needs young believers like this to strengthen us and, and to give us constant new blood in our midst. We need them. And Lord, I pray for our confirmands that you will work in them to devote the remainder of their lives to the one thing needful, your word, and to the one person needful, Jesus Christ, your son, who's bled and died for all of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.